This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, Stu. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm going to tell a story about Simba today. You are. You uh, did yeah. talk. I didn't <laughs> remember Lion King well enough to pick up the references. Yeah. Uh, exactly? Really? No, I don't. I, what did that come I out talked like? about Simba, his dad, and his girlfriend, Nala. Yeah, I don't remember any of the names. <laughs> I, I was... Uh, Simba, I remember, because my friend had a dog named Simba. Ah, okay. Um, but that came out, what, early 90s, mid-90s? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that was like, I, I was in, like, high school. And, like, I was not looking to oh, watch okay. cartoons. Oh, okay. So I was All right. I was too cool for that back in the day. Ooh. Okay. All right. I had kids. That's why I remember. <laughs> anyway, uh, taking a look at it a whole different way to explain why we're here because stories matter and that's why the left is taking stories out but by the way we (laughs) the story of woodrow wilson was relevant today because of what the fcc is doing next tuesday they vote the fcc and it's already foregone conclusion because there's three democrats and two republicans and it will be the largest takeover of uh, a federal agency of all time they are going to control the internet in every way possible the fcc will without congress yeah we tell you about that and so much more on today's podcast brought to you by home title lock most people have no idea that there's invisible gap in their home's protection your home your equity is at risk the invisible threat is house stealing According to the FBI, and I quote, con artists pick a house, can be a vacation home, rental property, or home somebody's living in right now. They transfer the deed to the house into their name by obtaining all the forms using fake IDs and filling out the paperwork with proper authorities. Now they own the home. Once this step is complete, they take out loans using your home as collateral. They can even sell your home right out from underneath you. This doesn't happen. It can happen. It does happen all the time. Home Title Lock makes the difference. Protect your home from the invisible gap. Check on your home's title right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Be sure to use the promo code BECK. They're going to send you a complete scan of your home's title. Your first 30 days of Triple Lock title protection is free. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code BECK. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code BECK. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. So there have been three pages of the Nashville school shooter uh, manifesto. Um, This came out from uh, Stephen Crowder. Uh, We didn't talk about it yesterday because I wanted more verification uh, on it. And uh, I know Daily Caller verified it. Uh, Daily Wire said they verified it. We I don't think we got independent uh, verification. However, we also got verification from the Fox News local in Nashville that they said it was real. Now, there's an investigation going on and how this came out. Um, and apparently the police are very upset. I can imagine. 
you know who's really upset by it? It would be the FBI and the federal government. Uh, In the manifesto that they refused to release because they said it was just too dangerous, at least on the first three pages, going to fancy private schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks with their daddy's Mustangs and convertible. This is in her death day plan. I wish to shoot you weak, whatever, with your mop yellow hair. I want to kill all you little crackers, bunch of little with your white privileges. So it looks on the first three pages that she was gunning people down really because of DEI. She was somebody who had taken the white privilege that whites are the most dangerous thing in the country now. And she took it upon herself. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is the result of that kind of hatred. Now, Google and Facebook have reportedly censored the news of the manifesto's leak. Uh, In fact, they have deleted things on YouTube. They are suppressing this so it can't get out. Luckily, we have Blaze TV, which is behind a paywall. But if we do anything like this broadcast is on FCC regulated airwaves. So there are certain things I can say and certain certain things I cannot say. Um, But it is. Once I speak it, it is out. YouTube will probably demonetize us, which I don't even know what that means anymore because I haven't gotten a dime from uh, YouTube or Facebook or anything else for I don't even know how long. Um, So it will probably um, at least be suppressed. And that'll happen to everybody who talks about this. Now, remember, this manifesto and the shooting happened uh, during the week. In fact, I think it was the day before the Trans Day of Vengeance. Now, again, Facebook and Google censored the news of the leak. And they also uh, mass suppressed reports on the Trans Day of Vengeance because of this attack at the time so i think you can see how dangerous it is to have the government google facebook youtube and everybody else in bed with each other if this is indeed real it also confirms that the justice department that immediately inserted themselves knew that the attack was racially motivated and did not investigate the shooting as a hate crime. The Biden administration has done nothing to seriously investigate the perverse and bigoted incentives behind the murders of six Christians. It also hasn't done anything to memorialize the victims. Do you remember White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre came out with statements in support 
of the trans community immediately. Kamala Harris met with rogue insurrection instigating Tennessee state representatives instead of the victim's family. Is this is this important? Is it important? If the government were neutral and trustworthy, I wouldn't have had a problem with the manifest being kept quiet because I don't want to promote any of that. I don't want to promote any of it. However, the government is not trustworthy. If the government would have come out and said this was hatred uh, on white people, that her manifest just spelled out this is white Christian hatred, then this wouldn't be a news story. But that's not what they did. They did exactly what they're doing with the uh, October 7th attack in Israel. With all of the anti-Semitic attacks happening here in America, suddenly all of this is about Islamophobia, not anti-Semitism. This became about transgenderism and not what it was really about. This is why the truth is so important. You can't do anything if you don't have the truth. If you are at the mercy of a government giving you the truth, whatever they decide that they want to steer the country in this direction or that direction, whatever they decide, because you don't know the truth, you go along with it. There is some really disturbing news from Commissioner Brendan Carr today. He is from the FCC. The Biden administration uh, has just put forward a plan for digital equity. And it is a plan for all Internet services and all infrastructure. According to uh, FCC Commissioner Carr, President Biden's plan hands the administrative state effective control of all Internet services and infrastructure in the country. Never before in the roughly 40 year history of the public Internet has the FCC or any federal agency, for that matter, claimed this degree of control over it. The plan calls for the FCC to apply a far-reaching set of government controls that the agency has not applied to any technology in the modern era. You got that? This has never been done before. No communication devices have ever had this kind of control suggested by the government, let alone applied. 
He went on and said Congress never contemplated the sweeping regulatory regime that President Biden asked the FCC to adopt, let alone authorize the agency to implement it. Here's what's happening. As with everything else the Biden administration is doing, his broadband policies are failing and the building of Internet infrastructure in this country, uh, the price of it has gone through the roof. FCC wants new 5G broadband services, but it's all needlessly been blocked and delayed by new broadband uh, infrastructure um, regulatory red tape. So the government is blocking the private sector from doing it and then using that to say, see, we need to take complete control. This is breathtaking control of all information. The rules, the, the rules that are suggested and are going to be voted on quick hurry next week. The federal government has a roving mandate to micromanage nearly every aspect of how the Internet functions from how internet service providers allocate capital, where they build, to the services that consumers can purchase, from the profits that ISPs can realize, and how they market and advertise services to the discounts and promotions that consumers can receive. If passed, the FCC will be empowered for the first time to regulate every ISP's service termination terms, use of customer credit, account history, credit checks, account termination, among other items. He said, this plan reads like a document drawn up in the faculty lounge of a university's Soviet studies department. It, in, it includes plans to empower the FCC to regulate every single aspects, uh, aspect of the Internet for the first time ever. You have uh, an FCC policy advisor who has just read the plan. He said, quote, to call it extreme or radical doesn't do this proposal justice. Phil Kirpin has just come out and said Biden is turning digital discrimination into a pretext for regulating everything for equity. This is so far reaching. That it will mean even the blaze because we are on the backbone of the Internet. We can be completely. Separate. Everything, but because we're on the backbone of the Internet, we will now have to comply by government FCC regulations. I have done broadcast under FCC regulations for 48 years. I know what FCC regulations are like. I also started before... Reagan, I think it was before Reagan, uh, deregulated the uh, radio waves and television waves. 
I will tell you that um, those regulations today would put this show out of business. I could not do what I do today if they just went back to the regulations that were in the FCC back in the 40s and 60s and 80s. I'll have more on this. This just came to my attention. I'll have more on this, but this is a very big deal. And the vote is next Tuesday. We'll tell you more about it, hopefully later on in the program, if not tomorrow, because we're going to need everybody's help to make sure that Congress does not allow the FCC to grab the internet by the throat. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Ben. Glenn, thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, boy, what a disturbing day on uh, on freedom of speech, uh, quite frankly. Um, you've been doing investigation, uh, and it's come out in dribs and drabs uh, here and there. Um but you hit some things that I think are so important. This report where I'm a super spreader of misinformation during the last last election. Is there is there something more nefarious than just smearing me and the Blaze TV? Yeah, well, you uh, were in good company with dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of other Americans ranging from the former president of the United States, who was actually targeted for censorship, not only by this quote unquote public private partnership that I'm sure we'll talk about, but actually by subordinates in an executive agency alongside journalists and everyday Americans who had their social media posts in 2020 surveilled en masse to the tune of hundreds of millions of tweets looked at by people who probably don't share your politics and our politics, and then had masses of that content flagged to the social media companies to suppress that content. And this public-private partnership was hatched in conjunction with, actually by interns who were working at a federal agency in the national security apparatus. And this is the tip of the iceberg, I think, to a censorship industrial complex, as it's been called, or a public-private censorship regime. And what we've reported at Real Clear Investigations are new details about the inner workings of this so-called public-private partnership, who specifically was targeted by it, what speech was targeted, namely protected core political speech in this First Amendment assault, and then how intimately involved government agencies themselves were in getting social media companies to censor Americans again en masse on election administration and election outcomes. The purest political speech, protected First Amendment speech that there is. What's amazing to me is in this particular um, narrative that they were squashing uh, of mine, I was warning in September, I did two shows in September and October about color revolution and how the playbook literally the playbook from the democrats we had the copy of it i mean i I show you the pages of it um was 
was putting together what amounted to the same strategy as our State Department's color revolution. Should Donald Trump win the election? And I warned the president. I warned the people. Look for these things. It wasn't to uh, it wasn't to start a color revolution. It wasn't to overthrow the government. It was a warning that people were planning to destabilize the government through some of these organizations. And it was their own plan. How did that become a super spreader of disinformation? Well, the national security apparatus and its apparent cutouts and force multipliers doing business as academic or research entities or think tanks have taken this idea and put on steroids that wrong think disfavored speech about virtually anything of significance itself could pose a threat to our election system, to our public health infrastructure, to our financial services infrastructure, to virtually anything the government conceive of, can conceive of. And so if you propagate speech that they deem to be delegitimizing or undermining, quote unquote, our democracy, that poses a threat to our democracy. And that is liable to not only be suppressed by the social media companies that is on the digital public square, by what have become essentially federally deputized speech police, but you can actually go to jail for it. And we have the perfect example of this in the case that I'm sure you're familiar with of Douglas Mackey, who puts out a tweet in 2016, say, which says, text your number to vote for Hillary Clinton to this number, hashtag I'm with her. And it's clearly a satirical post. Well, the feds prosecuted him for suppression of voting rights, because somebody might have texted their number there to vote for her, not realizing that it wasn't actually a vote. Douglas Mackey was just sentenced a couple weeks ago to seven months in jail for that satirical tweet. And by the way, that same law is being hung around the neck of Donald Trump in the January 6th case. So there is a censorship to criminalization pipeline that's been built, and it's all premised on the idea that if Americans hold ideas that our ruling regime doesn't like, it poses a threat to that regime. They'll say it poses a threat to democracy and that it incites domestic violent extremism. And so there's a national security or public health or protecting of our critical infrastructure justification for the censorship. But what it's really dressing up is quashing of dissent and chilling of dissenters. So, Ben, where are we headed? I mean, I look at all of the stuff that's happening now with Islamophobia, where they're trying to convince the American people it's Islamophobia that is the real trouble. When we all know that it's anti-Semitism that is growing through the roof right now and a real danger to our, our, our way of life. And, you know, they didn't say anything when they were trying to tear the gates down of the White House. And if you think if they couldn't get past that gate, they wouldn't have gone in and, you know, done all kinds of damage to the White House. You're fooling yourself. The White House didn't do anything about that. Nothing. Um, if they control um, all speech and they can silence people like you or like me when we're talking about. Uh, the true nature of Hamas and they s decide that we're a problem because we're spreading by telling the truth Islamophobia 
They wipe us out and you got you got no protection for the Jews or anyone else that they decide is on the wrong side. And you can apply this to basically any aspect of speech that might not comport with what authorized opinions are, according to our ruling elites. There's a very telling quote from the director of CISA, which is this DHS sub-agency, cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. It's a mouthful, but which is devoted to protecting our critical infrastructure. And the director of that sub-agency, which helped spearhead and was the tip of the spear of the national security state's efforts to surveil and censor speech directly and by proxy, she has said that our most critical infrastructure is our cognitive infrastructure. Translation, mind control is an imperative of the national security apparatus, and it's going to engage in a whole of society effort to ensure the American mind is controlled. Now, on this much more narrow point that you're making, and it's such God. an important one, this, this, this elevation of Islamophobia, which, by the way, Islamophobia is now being raised as the issue of our time in response to the slaughter of Jews at a level of an equivalent of 50,000 Americans with atrocities on par with, if not more disgusting with, than what occurred during the Holocaust. They are leveraging the slaughter of Jews to silence criticism of the administration and its partners in the Middle East. Because let's not forget, of course, the entire Biden administration policy towards the Middle East, which is really just the third term of the Obama-Biden administration, was to make Iran the strong course, flood its coffers with billions of dollars, not impose sanctions on it, let it build up Hezbollah, Hamas, its other proxies, and make it the dominant power while putting the screws to Israel. So the Biden administration has blood on its hands in the slaughter of Americans and Israelis in Israel, and now they want to use Islamophobia as a way to shut up dissent that points to the disastrous consequences of their policies. That's certainly a part of it. More broadly, if you look at what Islam says about speech and you use Islamophobia as a pretext to shut people up who want to speak freely and openly, honestly, about Islam and Islamic supremacism, it's basically imposing, it's an attempt to impose Islamic speech codes on Americans. Mm -hmm. It's just totally anathema, antithetical to our system. And what this points to is our ruling elites just cannot tolerate any form of dissent. They had a near-death experience with Donald Trump. They had a near-death experience with Brexit. And they can't allow the people to think for themselves, speak for themselves. They have to constrain us and shut us up using ever more disturbing and Orwellian Chinese Communist Party-style modus operandi to shut us up. So, Ben, I've, I've got about 45 seconds. Who's taking this seriously? And is, is anybody working to dismantle this? So Republicans in the House primarily and some in the Senate as well have tried to put forth legislation to first they've done oversight to expose this regime. And second, they've put forth legislation to try and freeze federal speech police from engaging with the social media companies to shut up largely conservative Americans and dissenters on Covidian orthodoxy and a slew of other issues. Beyond that, there's a massive Supreme Court case. It was called Missouri v. Biden, now Mercy v. Missouri. That is the preeminent case going before the court next term where the Supremes are going to rule on whether 
federal agencies, including the Biden White House, violated our First Amendment rights through colluding, coercing, cajoling the social media companies to censor wrong thinkers. And another question the plaintiffs in the case have asked the court to take up is whether or not these third party cutouts as well should be barred from working with the feds to mass surveil and flag for suppression and censorship our speech. So the legislative and judicial avenues are open. We'll see what happens. Ben, thanks so much. Benjamin Weingarten, Federalist uh, Senior Contributor and Real Clear Investigations uh, Editor-at-Large. Appreciate it, Ben. God bless. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome back to the uh, program. As the world burns down, what is our Speaker of the House doing? Um, I don't know. Remember, we have the fight to aid Israel um, and and not Hamas. We have the fight to secure the border. We have the fight to discover the truth of what our government has really uh, become. By the way, I misspoke earlier today. I said that we had all of the videotape from January 6th. It was my understanding that we were receiving it. Uh, apparently, that is the word, but uh, the Speaker of the House has has not done anything yet. Um, you know, I'm sure he's very busy doing stuff that is important. I hope that he is also working on the budget and we're passing uh, budget. Otherwise, you know, two weeks, we come up to that. Oh, my gosh, they're going to shut down the government. It's good All to that. have optimism for him and, and everything that it uh, is. he's going to do. However, you know, I, I know that we... We're supposedly going to have access to all these tapes when McCarthy was in, so I can't imagine yeah. we're not going to get them now. Uh, let me go to Chip Roy, who is uh, our congressman from the great state of Texas. Hello, Chip. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Good. How How is our new Speaker of the House so far? Uh, Mike's been doing a good job. Like We got two weeks of data. Uh, the first step, the first big thing he did was uh, isolating uh, Israel, making sure we pass it standalone, and then using the expansion of the Internal Revenue Service and take Fourteen and a half billion dollars out of that pot of money, about seventy something billion sitting over to there, pay for it. and use that to pay for Israel. And of course, our Democratic colleagues are choosing the IRS over Israel. Right. Um, fortunately, twelve of them didn't. But uh, we got to keep going down that road. That was the right approach by Speaker Johnson. We got to encourage that. And now, as we're dealing with the spending issues, the so-called CR debate, continuing resolution, uh, we got to hold the line. And that's the message we're sending to Mike this week, um, that uh, we love him, love what he did on the IRS and Israel. That's one. Now game time on the spending bills, and we need to fight. Yeah, we are in, uh, we're in deep trouble with the spending, as you know, uh, and the securing of our border. Uh, I mean, it, it, nothing is happening there. Uh, Biden said he was willing to you know, secure our border. It shows he has absolutely um, no care in the world for the damage that is being done to our uh, our our republic. Well, Glenn, you're 100 percent correct. And we've talked about this on your show. What's happening is totally indefensible. And you know that and I know that and every American knows that the number of people who have come in, the amount of fentanyl, the amount of deaths, the amount of danger. The Texans were put in, the impact on our economy, the $10 billion we've had to spend in Texas to do the job of the federal government. So we've got to do something about the border. Now, the current thinking in this town 
is that we need to leverage Ukraine in order to force border security. Now, the problem is, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to agree, well, that accepts the premise of Ukraine in the first place. Yes. So what we're trying to fight through right now is what debate do we need to have about whether any more money to Ukraine is acceptable or defensible, right? And so that's kind of a condition president we have to establish. And so we're trying to force that conversation, transparency, where the money's going to go, uh, how it's used. Is it in our national security interest? And if so, is it enough of that to then warrant using it as a kind of you know, leverage point to force border security? So, so here's a hypothetical. We tell the Democrats, look, you, you, your whole lives depend apparently on funding another country's uh, proxy war. So, okay, you want to do that. So let's say $36 billion over, over 12 months. I mean, this hypothetical, Glenn, I'm not advocating this. If you do that and we say $3 billion a month, provided, however, there are no releases of any individuals into the United States, period. And then we'll dole out that $3 billion as a way to leverage and force Biden, who has no interest in following the law. So we pass H.R. 2, force him to sign it, and then we you know, dole out some dollars and say, look, we're going to hold you accountable to this. Now, that's that's a hypothetical that we're discussing, um, and we might do that. But for me, the, the question before us right now is we got this funding of government question coming up, and I just want to ask you and the people listening to your show, do you think that I, as an elected member of Congress, should agree to continue funding at the Nancy Pelosi spending levels of last December? No. And keep funding DHS and keep funding Mayorkas and keep funding the United Nations and keep funding UNRWA and keep funding a DOJ weaponized against the American people. No. In order to give time for appropriations bills to get negotiated. My answer to that is no. You've got to give me cuts. You've got to give me something in order to buy more time to pass the appropriations bills. I'm glad we've passed seven appropriations bills. It's better than previous Congresses. But so what? Until they get signed into law, changing policies and cutting spending, then it's not doing the American people any good. So for me, I'm not going to vote for a so-called clean CR. And that's what's being floated. And some of the people in this town are trying to pressure Mike to agree to a clean CR. And I just flat out disagree with it. And I'm going to fight it. Yeah, I mean, Chip, uh, uh, the just the interest rate alone at what we are borrowing things at now continues to go up. We, by 2030 or 2033, we will be able to pay for social security and interest alone. Not the light bills, not any perk, nothing. Just social security, what we've promised, and interest. No, No war machine. What the hell is wrong with people in Washington? What do they think is going to happen? A 1% increase in interest rates increases our total uh, interest load about $180 billion. Think about that, Glenn. And that's what we're doing. Well, I, uh, I, I recommend you have a hard spine here. I, I don't think that there is any reason to not go back to the spending levels of 2019 before the emergencies. There's no reason. None. None. Can you give me one? No, Glenn, look, I'm with you. And, and so I, I will give this a little bit of a grace because it's important. 
Mike's come on the job. He's been here two weeks, setting up his team. His first shot out of the gate was a good one. Yep. IRS funding for Israel. Yep. I'm trying to help set the stage for the next steps. And I'm sorry, I'm walking over to meet with Mike. You're getting some echoing in the hallway. But, yeah. but look, my pressure point here is you got to change this town. You give me something that I can sink my teeth into. For example, fine, you want an extension of the current funding levels in order to buy time to get appropriations bills passed? Okay. But I want the disaster aid that we already passed by continuing, res- I mean, by unanimous consent or whatever. When we voted for it a few weeks ago, we passed a, a uh, disaster supplemental that was unpaid for, $16 billion. I want to see Israel get done paid for. That's $30 billion that we will save. And I want to see a serious and concrete path for getting the appropriations bills passed in December. You give me all that, now you're in the zip code of something I can listen to. But what about capping the so-called Inflation Reduction Act subsidies that are destroying the American economy? What about other changes that we should do to force spending down and to free up the American people to create wealth? What about border security? So these are the things I'm raising. Do not ask me to continue to fund the government that's killing my, my people, that's at war with the people that I represent. Because I can't do that. So, Chip, I, I got to I got to throw another log on the fire yeah. here for you. I'm sorry to do sure. this because I know you're so no, bogged right. down with everything else. But there's a story that came out yesterday about the FCC, and we've talked to the commissioner of F- FCC, and it is the most far-reaching uh, administrative state uh, power grab in the history of technology. Um, they're passing it next Tuesday. It's all but done. It will take centrist Republicans to try to convince them to back off on this. But it's three two for the Democrats in in the vote next week. Um, and it gives the administration total control over everything, all expansion, all uh, infrastructure, all rates, everything, everything under the FCC, and that happens Tuesday. So there, this is, you're right, that's a log on the fire. I could give you about 20 logs on the fire. I know, I, think, I know. Right, right, you know, right now, the deposition is going on for uh, Weiss, uh, what we're seeing in terms of the you know, Biden situation, Hunter Biden yes. and the president, and the family of corruption. We could go down the list of the things that are happening right now with you know, uh, ATF and the exertion of their authority over the American people, the prohibition of distributing weapons to people around the world and helping people, um, the extent to which they're claiming that yeah, they're, the FCC, what you're just talking about right there. Um, we've got, I mean, there's a litany of things, which goes to my point about the paying for us funding yes. a federal bureaucracy that's at war with the people we yes. represent, Glenn. So yes. that's, that's the question here. And I, look, I said it at the mic in front of Republicans this morning in conference. I don't talk about private meetings very much. So I'm not going to say what other people said, but I will tell you what I said, which was how on earth can we justify Spending at the current level, that is last year's Nancy Pelosi levels, that 17 Republican senators joined with to pass. The rest of us opposed it. We all opposed it violently. And now we're just going to vote for it again. You're going to vote to perpetuate it. You're going to do that for two years. We're going to spend and fund a DHS that is leaving our border wide open, an IRS that's expanded and going after citizens, a DOJ that is weaponized and going after the American people, the FCC you just described, an ATF that's targeting the American people. We're going to fund UNRWA, right, which is funding Palestinians or a war with the people of Israel. We're going to fund the United Nations that just voted against Israel and in favor of Hamas. USAID. In what universe would we do that? N- not in any sane universe. 
Chip, go into your meeting. Uh, we'll say a prayer for you that you are filled with uh, the right words and you do no harm and you can get across to the speaker and get him to do the things that, that he will know he needs to do. Thank Thanks, you. Glenn. God bless you all. God Great bless you. As always. You bet. Bye-bye. Na, na, na.